Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam for another episode of Horror Express. And today we're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie, The Exorcist 3. Uh, the Exorcist 3 is uh, its basically a proper sequel to The Exorcist. The Exorcist 2 is not generally that well liked, um, and, and it wasn't made uh, by, by Blatty. And this is actually based on a book that he wrote. And the essential premise, and you guys can correct me if you feel this is not a good way to present it, but it's basically about a guy named uh, Bill Kinderman, uh, who's a cop played by George C. Scott, who was a character in the first movie, who discovers that Damon Karras, the priest from the first movie, is possessed by the spirit of a deceased serial killer. And this movie is a little bit more of a thriller than the first film. The first film is a very... Uh, you know, is very much focused on the uh, on the exorcism aspect and on the demonic aspect, and there is supernatural stuff for sure in this one, but it kind of has more of a thriller police procedural vibe. Um, I don't know. Is that would you guys say that's accurate, or would you add any details to the mix? I think that's fair. It's uh, yeah, accurate. Sure. What was that thing about Jeffrey Dahmer again? Oh, it's his favorite movie. Um, I feel like we glossed over that. How did you figure that out? I don't know. I I, I, I just looked up fun facts about you just Exorcist Jeffrey 3. Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie <laughs> no, and it no, popped no, out. No. no, I was looking up information about uh, Exorcist 3. I had never heard it before today, so it's not like I, I knew this before I looked it up. But uh-huh. apparently it was his favorite movie, and I, I thought that was you know worth, worth pointing out at the start of the show. Um, <laughs> There's a factoid that'll haunt my nightmares. <laughs> I feel like you want to lead with that so that people know going in. You know what I mean? Like, if if that's going to make you uncomfortable about liking the movie, you should know. You know, <laughs> you got my attention. <laughs> well, that was the other thing. I figured it would it would be an attention grabbing way to open up. They, they don't put that on the box, man. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they want to do that. I think I think I think they want to do it by proxy <laughs> rather than put it on the box. You know, like. Um, I just want like a picture of him with like a long, like micro typed review on the back of every box of Exorcist three and DVD. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's, it, I you know we we could probably we can get into that later. I'm sure. I'm sure there's all kinds of questions people have about why it's his favorite movie and everything. Yeah, I um, want to find the exact pull quote that he has too. You know, what is his quote about this? Yeah, movie? that's yeah. Because all I got was this is his favorite movie. There could have yeah. been a lot more in the actual quote that would really, you know uh illuminate it uh but shame he's gone and we can't get him on the podcast to discuss i I would not want him on the podcast i don't think shame is the verb i'd use anyway (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm I'm with joel (laughs) (laughs) but uh so okay so jeffrey dahmer has good taste in movies this was really scary um um, yeah so yeah what did you guys think of this movie what was your reaction to it and when was that was this your first time seeing it I, I got to tell you, I never thought I'd agree with Jeffrey Dahmer on something, but yeah, this is this is a really good movie. I, I wouldn't put it in my favorites, not by a long shot, but like I'd definitely make it comparable to the first Exorcist, which is a true classic. Um, it's it's really it's scary when it needs to be scary. There's a lot of scares here that I don't know if they were pioneered by this movie, but they certainly feel like this movie introduces them. Like it's the first time that any kind of scare like this has ever happened before. Like a lot of movies kind of feel derivative when they do certain kinds of scares. There's a lot of long, like drawn out sequences where this is like, where is this scene going? And then like, it'll just end with a super abrupt out of nowhere left wing, like scare. (laughs) Um, 
So like those were, and there was a few of those, and there's a lot of let's describe how this guy died without showing you anything directly, yeah. which was mm -hmm. really unsettling. Um, so this movie gets under your skin, man. Uh, it's got a lot of creative and awful ways that it kills people off camera. That shows you just enough to keep you like really invested, like a true crime drama. So I, I liked this movie. Um, it, it's quite a quite a ride. It actually it, it sticks with you. It's I don't want to say it haunts you, but uh, yeah, no, it, it kind of haunts you after you're <laughs> done with it. You know. Yeah. Anyway, as far as as far as the descriptions go, you know, like you say, they describe things. I I think that's the point where Blatty being a novelist pays off because he's yeah. someone that can just write. <laughs> he just write a good description here of what happens, and you're like, whoa. Because yeah, it's surprising how much you do not see in this movie when you actually think about it afterwards. It's like, but it's, you feel like you saw it, right? You oh, feel yeah. as if yeah. you did see it. Yeah, it's uh, it's impressive, but uh, yeah, I. I really like this movie as well. Like I said, same thing. It's not my favorite movie, definitely, but uh, it it was very thoughtful. It works really well as procedural during the early yeah. part of the movie. It It's very interesting as far as being a philosophical, religious discussion in places. It, uh, it fits with the first movie very well. I mean, there's... I'll get into this later. There's some parts where I, you know, I could really feel where the studio meddling in this yeah. movie was mm. but at the same time the movie's vision was good enough that i really didn't care i'm like okay i can kind of disregard this little annoying mm. little bit here because i can see what he's trying to do and so it doesn't really matter so i thought the movie worked despite its problems it's uh it, it's i mean it's got a really nice sense of reality to it too i i mean the conversations it's, it's slow slow in a good way where yeah. you kind of get these real conversations between people. Joel brought up the, just having a still camera looking at a scene and it's not telling you where to look. You don't know where the horror yeah. is going to come that, from. <laughs> that's what's so effective about that is that it's still, and you, you're not sure where you're supposed to be looking for it. And it, it makes you more active in the scene, uh -huh. you know, You're like, um, is it behind the, it's going to come behind the yeah. counter. Is it going to come out of that door? Is it going to come out of this door? Ooh, there's that curtain over yeah. there. What's going to happen. And yeah. And it, it is, it is an effective technique in this movie. No question. Well, and yeah. it's a jump scare, right? But it's like, this would be the movie that I would rebut the jump scares or lazy argument with. I'd be like, yeah. oh, you need to look at how yeah. artful and well-crafted well, these scares are and tell me that jump scares are lazy. Well, no, he, no way. that that's, that's why I don't like a lot of modern movies. Not because they have jump scares, but because the jump scares that a lot of them have are lazy jump scares. We've gotten used to very technologically driven jump scares that rely on CG or rely on audio sounds that do certain things. And they this... usually involve quick cuts too. Yeah, like not this, you know, because it is that the longer a cut goes, there's just that building tension, you know, that, that is lost with a lot of uh, modern editing. This is sort of more Tarantino's, not not that Tarantino does horror, but just more Tarantino in that it is building to something and you don't know what it is, mm -hmm. uh, but you know it's something and and it still somehow manages to take you by surprise because it comes at this angle rather than that angle, like Joel was saying. And so yeah. I, I think uh, 
like the, the the big one that we've all been kind of talking around, I think, is that scene where the nurse is at her station. Yeah, that yes. is the scene. That scene is so <laughs> scary. That is. A, oh, my God. That, and, and there's other scenes like that. But that's the one that really, really kind of stands out. There's also there's also scenes that are kind of like like there's a scene that reminds me a little bit of the box scene from seven where he when he realizes that there, that his family is in danger. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he, you know, it's, it's but it's done in a much more um, grounded sort of way, and you know, it just I don't know this this movie is just legitimately scary, um, and it and it and it, it achieves it, I think, like you're saying through um, uh, through through very effective, well constructed jump scare scenes that are that are planned appropriately. It it does it, uh, I think through performances of a lot of the like they're like a lot of a lot of a lot we'll get into it more later but some of the stuff that's scary here is actually about the performances that some of the actors give as well um but also i just think by just taking its time and kind of building and oh yeah and then and and hitting you at the right moment um this movie is so patient it's mm-hmm. very patient. I saw this my first time seeing it was when I worked at a video store, and it had just come out and come out on video. And I had seen a, 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 a Siskel and Ebert review of it, and I think Ebert had said he, the big thing that I remember him saying was it was it was a clever idea to use the priest from the first movie, and that really intrigued me, and I wanted to know how he was involved in the in the story. And so, you know, I remember watching it, and and, and it just. It, it, I think it's a film where I remember seeing it and realizing this is a really good movie and it's been sort of disappointing to see that it's not now it's starting to get its due, but for many years it was just kind of a, you know, C rated film, I think for most people. Um, yeah. It came and, out right at time, right around the time I graduated from high school, actually, which is why I was so kind of preoccupied with mm-hmm. other stuff that I just completely ignored this movie when it came out. Yeah. So, I I am guilty of that. I mean, it kind but, of redeems the the franchise in a way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, very much. Yeah. It's yeah. It's 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 a totally fair sequel to the original. I mean, like in the original being a classic, but it's not. It's 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 not. You know, I, I I'd have to. I've only read the original book actually, so I can't compare that. But I think part of what makes this movie so scary actually is just to, that all the characters are completely real and grounded and so on. like you know when with, with you know father father dyer for example it's like it's not just scary what happens it's like oh man he's gone now you know it's just that that character's so interesting having yeah. him disappear from the movie is is tragic well and it's also it, it it's more than tragic too because it it isolates uh kinderman more yes. because because like uh and, and I looked at the time signature. I think he dies around the 26 minute mark or the 29 minute mark. One of the two. Um, that's not that far into the movie. That's surprising. It's, actually, yeah. I would have guessed it was. Uh, later yeah, I would have put it like way like closer to 45 or an hour. Cause he feels like he's in the whole movie until like he's suddenly not. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think they just do a really good job of building that relationship. And it's, I think another thing about the film, and I want to say before we start too, uh, 
Red Letter Media has a really, really good re-review oh, yeah, of this movie. Do. Um, I, I watched it a few years ago when it first came out and I thought it was a great one. And I, I rewatched it right before doing this cause I didn't want to repeat anything subconsciously that they did. Mm-hmm. I'm probably still going to repeat points that they made <laughs> because they were also good. So I just want to give them credit. Uh, you know, and, and there's one point I want to talk about in particular that they bring up that I think is oh, sure. worth mentioning. Um, but people should watch that cause it's a really good sort of coverage of this topic. Well, even, even um, in general, Red Letter Media is pretty great. So. Yeah, I, I, I like their stuff. But this was one I felt like it definitely warranted uh, being mentioned. But um, I think that, the and this is something that they do talk about, is the dialogue. And I think the dialogue is a really big reason why that relationship mm-hmm. is, 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 is able to build the way it is. And I think that uh, it's also kind of like Adam, like you were saying, like he's a writer and he's it's he's a, he's yeah. the director of the movie and he's giving you know a, a normal director might you know with a few exceptions might not uh be as willing to have that much dialogue in a movie the you know and the dialogue's nice it's really well crafted it, it, it uh, is it's rich funny dialogue. it's got it's got humor right like there's a lot yeah. of humor in yeah, it but, it's, but it's the very, humor fits it does it fits and like it's very human like the, the mm-hmm. struggle that that our uh, our detective protagonist is going through is it's very like you can feel it along with them like it really yeah. resonates you know if you ever had a lot of trouble in your life and you find yourself questioning the purpose of it then like yeah it's a very it's a very modern kind of malaise he finds himself in and one of the things I love because we mentioned like that his his priest friend dies like like startlingly like mm. right at this point in the movie. And um, like they, they have this wonderful chemistry where there's kind of they're kind of like going back and forth on this dilemma with two different views. And then yeah. suddenly that one view is just vanished and he's really adrift. And like you kind of feel adrift with them as an audience. So like, yeah, man, it's well, because part really of it is, is loss of faith is part of the story. And that's obviously, you know, really full, you know, like he's already kind of lost like the the restaurant scene where they're kind of debating you know, you know, God and, you know, you know, the, you know, all of the evils in the world and everything. Um, and it's and it's kind of seems like he has the the more effective argument in that conversation. But then to have the priest actually vanish, it just totally removes any I, I think any sense of faith that the character would have. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, did you guys catch the Larry King cameo in that uh, in that scene? No, that one flew under my radar. And this was a this was a red letter media thing. The the, the Larry King was one of the customers at the table, and I believe oh. the old Surgeon General might have actually been another diner in the restaurant as well that got a little. <laughs> and it's and it's weird because it's like there's no, you you can, it's if somebody hadn't pointed these things out, I would have never noticed them. Um, yeah, I saw I in. saw Patrick Ewing and Fabio Samuel yeah, Fabio Samuel Jackson's in the movie too, but I didn't yeah. actually notice him. Yeah, Fabio the Archangel Fabio was that the uh... yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, he's kind of hard to. What, what I wanted to know is because I remember Fabio being a big thing in the nineties. Was this before Fabio was like a trending thing or no, after? Oh, Fabio was already a huge thing. He was. That was delivered. I mean, basically, it's, it is kind of just showing you that, giving it that weird dream vibe. But okay. it's like, what's Fabio <laughs> doing here? Yeah, it wasn't like he was just some anonymous model at the time. Okay. They're, they're definitely... Yeah, I thought... I, I was something else I'll bring out the movie. I thought all the dream sequences in this oh, movie they were had great. a great 
great tone to them. Yeah. Well, I I rarely compare a dream sequence to the directorial style of Terry Gilliam because that guy's like the king of like subconscious sort of dream sequences. But yeah, I got real Brazil vibes from that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I also hold Brazil in very high esteem. So it's uh... well, and that that particular dream sequence was good because it. Um... The tone was just off enough that you're like, something's not quite right here, <laughs> you know, or he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, hi, Thomas, how are you? I'm sorry, you're dead. It's just, you know, it's just yeah. like a weird, like not the way that you would have this conversation. And then he, and then he sees, and then he sees Father Dyer and, you know, he's like, oh, I thought I, you know, I wonder if we're both having this dream. And he's like, nope, we're no. not both having this dream. <laughs> and then you're, well, the viewer's was... kind of like, oh, oh, that's a bad sign. Um, so it foreshadows yeah. nicely what unfolds because that's before the, the priest you've already dies. had the decapitated statue shot at that yeah. point too and you're yes. like yes yeah the cat statue like oh no he's in real trouble mm. and then that dream and you're like oh he may be in more than trouble okay <laughs> but yeah it's a nice nice progression there from uh scene to scene now what it's is a you... really good oh. job it does such a great job of putting us in the head of our protagonist too like experiencing a dream with the protagonist that's a brilliant way of doing it and the cuts are like they feel like when you're going to sleep and waking up, it's mm-hmm. really gorgeously put mm-hmm. together. Yeah. yeah, it's that 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 transition is is a really tough thing to pull off, and not many movies actually do that well. Now, what did you guys think of the premise of having uh, Damon Karras, who died at the be- at the end of the last of the last movie, the first movie, uh, getting possessed by the Gemini killer, and you know, 15 years later, he sort of reconstitutes himself and he begins this crime spree, but he's able to do it by inhabiting other people's bodies and, and like basically entering into catatonic patients and, and using them as, uh, as vessels for his, uh, for his crimes. There was a movie that did something like this too. That it, It's kind of the same thing where you had like a body hopping villain. What was that? I don't. I'm, uh, I just can't. It's, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm kind of vaguely recalling a yeah. few movies, but I can't think of the title yeah. of any of them. So it's gonna drive me crazy. I because I, I remember someone recommending me to me that movie, and I was like, yeah, maybe later. I don't know. Body hopping villains are one of those kind of bad guy things where like they almost feel too scary. Like if that was mm-hmm. real, like we just don't have any way to fight it. So that's really frightening, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of bullshit. You know, it's like, Oh, you can just hop another body. You lazy piece of crap. See, this it's movie works. I agree with you. Usually that does kind of put me off a little bit. Cause I'm like, eh, whatever. I mean, they're going to have to come up with some weird MacGuffin to defeat him and blah, yeah. blah, blah. But this movie was about the futility of it. So it, it, it yeah. worked. Cause it was like just leaning into yeah, this is really hopeless. <laughs> well, and also yeah. there were there were clear rules at work here too, where he was body hopping, oh. but he has a body that is his base that he you know has to hop yeah. back into, right? So yeah. you know, if you kill that body, it's over. You know that uh, presumably. So I think I think that saved it from being one of these things where it's like the movie ends with like the nurse smiling funny at the camera, and it's like, uh oh, the you know the, the Gemini killer <sighs> continue, you know. It, yeah. yeah um so so i i think i think it, it it worked for that reason um also it's just a different premise than the than the original movie but it's tied to the old premise where it's kind of yes. like you know this is vengeance for what happened 
you know, but this is this, but, is, this is this is events that just come from the other movie. Not yeah. let's do another exorcism again. Yeah, though there <laughs> is an exorcist. Girl who's, yeah, I know. So, well, I say it's not just yeah. that. That's uh, what I'm saying. But, but oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Once again, but once again, the only reason an exorcism was in the movie was because of studio yes. mandated reshoots, yeah. and I think it's largely irrelevant to everything that matters in now, the movie. So so let's talk about that. Let's talk about yeah. the uh, the the studio involvement and the fact that you do have an exit now. Um, you know, you have this white-haired guy who's uh, I, I forget his name. Was it Father Morning? Was that it? Was it? Ah, uh, that sounds right yeah. to me. He kind of he, he's got he's got a stark look. He's got they, they give us a little bit of his background, but it, uh, yes. at no point does he ever does. interact with George C. Scott's <laughs> character. There's no reason that we're aware of for him showing up at the end when he does very dramatically. And, Every um, other character in the movie is really grounded, interacts with other people. Yeah. You're like, this is a human being. I believe, whereas he is just this movie demon hunter. Yeah. You know, it's just. <laughs> but, but here's what's funny. They, they they talked about this on Red Letter Media. One of the guys was like, for ages, I've always wanted to see the director's version of the movie. I've heard about it, <laughs> and I guess he. I, I I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen the director's cut. But apparently there is a version of it that's now available somewhere. And he saw it and he said, but it's just George C. Scott walking up and shooting him. And it totally loses any of the. Um, yeah, there's no climax. I would to disagree. It. I see. I OK. Here's why the the whole bringing that other exorcist in and having all the dramatic exorcist thing. It changed the ending because the ending is about will he commit murder will the demon trick him and well be, be able to tempt him into murdering this person and damning himself or you know basically that's kind of what the trap is mm -hmm. so it's will he shoot should be yeah. the the climax but instead by having this whole action with all the exorcism and everything because hey the exorcist has, has created an opening now you can shoot you know because he's created yeah, this opening yeah. so it changes it to an action movie ending rather than it being a dramatic conflict ending that's, no i understand i understand that's, that kind of but what i'm saying is what this guy was saying is when he actually saw the cut it just landed flat like he had imagined it like you're saying but then when he saw uh -huh. the director's cut, it just... Well, here's the thing. There, the director's cut that is out there that was released mm -hmm. a few years ago, that most of the footage was lost. Okay. It's not actually It's not actually the original version. Okay. It's just, okay. it's like done from video dailies and all this other stuff. So it's like, it's not a, it's not what the movie originally would have looked like necessarily. Well, it's just an attempt to cobble bits and pieces together that now, they have. What I will say is what you're saying about the trap being Willie commit murder and kind of damn himself. That is yeah. a much more intriguing. And it seems more like a more, more of a blatty thing. Like he kind of yeah. thinks that way, you know, like that's a yeah. much more, it's a much, it's just a much more, um, a religious person would be concerned with that question, you know, or a person yeah. who's just concerned about, you know, uh, morality in general, I think would be, you know, uh, wouldn't just want it to end with, with, uh, shooting father Karras like that i suppose uh but I, I don't know if i agree with the moral premise of that his friend has been dead for years well that this was what a i was demon gonna that say reconstituted his corpse like you're not a, you're not killing a person here you're destroying a, a a monster like it's not comparable i'm sorry 
<laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's just it's it's but it's it's a moral quandary the movie is raising. It? I mean, I, you're allowed to have your opinion on it. Is it or you know, is it was it murder? Uh, was it not? Like, I, I mean, I, like, I, I I'm not saying it's well. A, well, here, here's you what come I'll say. Back from the dead. I don't think that's murder anymore. <laughs> Well, I know, but I'm saying it's clearly what the demon is trying to get him to do, though, through a lot of the movie. I feel, yeah, I feel, because I mean, because I mean, arcane reasoning there. What? That's some arcane reasoning on the demon's part, which I guess scans, but yeah, well, I don't exactly. know. Well, well, so wait, there's there's two things going. There's the Gemini killer, but there's also I think it's either Satan or Pazuzu. I don't know which one it's supposed to be, but the the there is a demonic force that. Yeah assisted getting the gemini killer in there that is masterminding all this and i think i don't think that the gemini killer wants him to kill father Karras, but i could totally see satan or whatever demonic force is behind this as its revenge wanting to have kinderman kill father Karras. um yes i don't know i think because this has been the studios did reshoots and they and, and edits and fretted it it's that it's not clear to me that that's there in the final version of the movie that we see. But I think what Adam is saying is before the studio got involved, he thinks that would have been the, the that theme would have more well, clearly been. We, yeah. Cause I mean, we, I think like I'm saying, cause the, the, the whole extras thing was added. So I mean, yeah. it would have been cause like, and I, I haven't seen the director's cut obviously, so I can't say it, it very likely does fall flat in that cut, but as it wasn't really you know, as yeah. it is just a, a compromised piece. So I feel yeah. like there could be a version where it all kind of came together. But my other point is that I I saw what they were going for enough that I wasn't I wasn't actually I was like, well, this doesn't work, but it doesn't actually bother me because yeah. everything around it is so strong that it doesn't actually ruin the movie. So. Also, I do think that they did a good job with that stuff. Like the, um, they did. Yeah. Like I the, agree. the, when the, when the exorcist enters the scene, it, it makes no sense. Cause there's only been one <laughs> reference to, like the, he, the uh, Kinderman had a conversation with the parish priest about yeah. the exorcist, but he never spoke with the exorcist himself. So it just feels weird that he shows up, but that entrance is so dramatic. And, and also, it is well done. Yeah, yeah, and it's perfectly timed because that's what stops the 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 woman that's trying to behead Julia at his house, uh-huh. right? So it's a really cool kind of moment. Um, but also, the exorcist scene is really well. I mean, with the cobras and the and the yeah. and everything, it's great. and the... and the, and the priest getting like his skin ripped off, like all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> That, it's got a real El Topo vibe, yeah. Well, what I what I like, I love exorcist scenes in general because I like how it's about how much faith does this character really have. That's kind of mm-hmm. and and also what are they going up against exactly? Is this just some two bit demon, or are they about to meet Satan? You know, like what what's the deal here? And I and you feel and, and I love the scene where the where the priest gets stripped of all of his garments and then he's just got his collar and his in his black outfit on and the crosses on the ground. <sighs> And he's totally vulnerable. And it just is a... He goes from being this big, dramatic, powerful figure to just this pulp on the ceiling. You know, it, yeah. it's a... It, it's, it, I thought it was really effective. And it... Uh, and it, and it no, I mean, in isolation, the scenes are really good. And it's like, I feel like 
if the studio had put their foot down when it was still a screenplay and say, you've got to put an exorcism mm. in here rather than waiting for the movie to have been shot. Let's say, hey, go back and reshoot yeah. an exorcism and cram it into your movie somehow. I feel like Blatty probably could have made all of that work yeah much better so it is it is it's noticeable nice it's it definitely is. noticeable the reshoot like yeah. especially if you're aware of them it becomes even more noticeable um well yeah. it, the, the thematic muddling that uh adam has talked about is is noticeable even if you're not aware of it because you're right th there doesn't seem to be any moral dimension to the final scene i mean what is the morality of the exorcism show up perform exorcism shoot your friend like there, there isn't a where, where who stands in judgment of that. It was just righteous think... and good to have done that, you know. But the movie wants you to ask moral questions. Like the whole thesis of the film is struggling well, with faith. There's a few so. things. I think number one, in a weird way, like uh, Father Damien is sort of redeemed at the end of it, right? Because he he he, uh, uh, you know, he he's able to resist the the possession and 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 allow himself to be killed i think the other aspect of it is the george c scott character kinderman has this app this loss of faith throughout the movie that is ironically restored by the gemini killer in the end and that's kind of what enables him i think to take that final step in the end do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i think uh you know he you know the you know, and there's that weird scene where he's like, you know, do you believe? And he's like, I believe in pain. What was with that? I, I, so I think what he was saying is that he believes that all of this wickedness exists in the world. And, and I think what he was getting at is if that much evil exists in the world, then Satan is real and therefore God is real too. I think that's kind of where he was that going. I, I know it's a little bit windy but i don't think it's that much of a stretch either i think like i i i mean you you have to interpret that scene i don't think they they definitely don't give you a clear well, roadmap to right that's what i'm talking about the thematic muddling of the movie like if that had been him denouncing faith to do what he needed to do for the world like to remove this evil from it like that's just basically someone choosing to do what is right for the living world versus like what is ultimately right in some kind of cosmic sense, you know, that would make sense then if that's the question the movie was asking, but the question the movie was asking wasn't really answered to the movie, right? Well, the question the movie the was asking is, it. can God exist in an evil world? Is, is the, is the, is the problem of evil enough to, to say that, you know, God doesn't exist. And that's what Kinderman is grappling with the whole film. And so that's why I think when he says, yes, I believe in evil, but then there's kind of this unspoken, and so I believe in God. I feel like that, because there's like this holiness to that scene when he's doing that. And well, he's also yeah, appealing he, to God. He basically says he believes in all the bad stuff, which is what he's already believed in the whole movie. Yeah. Then he shoots a guy, his best friend, actually. But I, but and but like, again, I think that's by this this act of evil, and it's it's a really weird scene. No, but it's a liberating act. He's not. I think again, I think what Adam was getting at with the the, the meddling is it's not. It's a little maybe a little unclear because of oh, how yeah. they did things. But I think I think he's obviously liberating Father Damien, and and so hey, you, you know, might read this as a man reclaiming his faith through this incredibly difficult act. 
Uh, and I think that's probably the only reading I can come away with where it has any kind of cohesiveness to me. I mean, I think I think that's what it is. I think I think he's. I mean, I think that it's about you know loss and re- re- I mean, because the the Gemini killer basically says it explicitly, like you know, I can I can solve your problem, your 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 loss of faith or what I, I don't remember exactly how he phrases it, but he says that, so that's planted there, and in that scene, it's kind of resolved and it's done against the background of an exorcism, and. And the shooting seems to have divine sanction because the priest comes back to life for a moment and gives him that window. So it feels like the required ingredient of him having some kind of faith is the piece that is that needs to ent- needs to enter into that that window that he's given. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, you know, again, it is. I, I do think it is kind of a, a little chaotic at the end and yeah uh, you know. well, I mean, that's that's another reason why the priest is kind of an issue the priest opening the window so he could do it is it's like well isn't this about his faith not this yeah. priest who we don't even know's faith i mean it, it's just that's you know i mean like i said i i could see what they wanted to do so i was okay with it but yeah it's, it's a little frustrating yeah. and there was that whole also there was that line from the exorcism that he what is it like the let mm. servant thing you know like that yeah i forget the exact phrase save your servant or something like that yeah it's 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 it's, it's part of like the second chapter of the exorcism ritual i think and so having that book there you know it's just kind of ties that part to it so but i don't know but 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 my reading of it was he's he's basically saying he believes in all this evil and that somehow gets him to believing in god again i know like and so i i I'm interpreting that as that's him overcoming the problem of evil, which is the problem that he's grappling with the whole movie. Cause I mean, cause they have a whole conversation about it with the priest and he, he almost seems to dispel the priest's faith with his argument, right? Like he's talking to the priest and they, and they pan over the priest's reaction and he's just got this hollow look on his, in his eyes. And you can just tell that he's, you know, he, he doesn't have a response when he says that I forget what it is. His, his eyes were, uh, were were uh, impaled with ingots, and he was, mm. and he, you know, and he was uh, crucified on a pair of rowing oars. Like it's 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 really well phrased, but it, you know, it it takes out the stomach of this priest. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of that's. I mean, there's definitely you definitely get a sense of what the author's beliefs are in the movie. I think, uh, yeah. even if there is muddling, I think you get a sense of. Oh. That's yeah. That's what that's what redeems the movie definitely. But uh, yeah, I mean, interesting, an interesting thing too. I mean, we you just reviewed Rosemary's Baby, which is another oh, satanic yeah. related movie. And what's interesting is that in Rosemary's Baby, which is all, which is which is a fantastic movie, it's using Satanism as kind of a metaphor, yeah. whereas. This there is no metaphor. Yeah. This this is about God and Satan yeah. and what you believe yeah. and there's nothing there's nothing else this is about. It's like it is just it is a Catholic movie straight through. So it's uh it's interesting it was interesting watching these back to back for that reason. Yeah, I, I agree. There's definitely at the very least you can say like definitely the belief is behind the movie. There is like a yeah. whoever made this believes in satan and believes in god and that's there seems to be a sincere belief there and if there isn't a sincere belief there's a sincere grappling with doubt of some kind 
going on yeah. in inside that system of thought. <clears throat> and so, uh, but one interesting point that they made on Red Letter Media that I uh, this is the one I mentioned earlier. Um, there is kind of a metaphor, which is uh, I forget which guy it was because I don't know their names too well. But one of the <laughs> guys said that uh, he, he he the reason he liked this movie was because it's not about people, but about institutions. And specifically, it's about the church, it's about law enforcement and police, and it's about medicine. And so, you know, and those are the... And and it's interesting that one of the things that you notice when you're watching the movie, one of the things I noticed, which is why I I had a positive reaction when he made this comment, is you physically can almost feel the institutions in this film. Like, you can can almost smell the paint in the hospital. Do you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. that you, hospital you, was too real. Dude. Yeah. It, it was too, like you, 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 you feel like you're in a waiting room when you were like eight years old, you know, especially since a lot of time has traveled has passed. And this is yeah. kind of like an old, like this is like a night, a hospital from the nineties. Oh yeah. They not don't a hospital. make hospitals like that anymore. That, that's yeah. a hospital that you would encounter in the nineties that was built in the seventies. Yeah. You know, whenever, uh, Adam got me reading the day of the Triffids, I think is what it was called. Yeah. And when yeah. they just started describing the, uh, hospital, this is the exact image that popped into my yes. head. A hospital just like this one. And yeah. there's a, a unity of architecture between that and the police precinct and the Catholic churches they go yeah. in. There's something about all that architecture. Uh, it's it, there's something. There's a there's a discomfort blood. created because you. I feel like, I feel like they're capturing a lot of the things that your senses pick up on that make you uncomfortable when you're inside a building like that because you have to be in. Yes. Like well, that. they also have the scene too where the nurse wakes the guy up. You know, the whole ice cube scene mm. where she had, the guy's furious gets woken up, and it's like, yeah, I just this movie just brought up so many memories of yeah. how much it sucks being in a hospital. And like that and that scene is brilliant it. because it also tells us that nurse's name, which is important for <laughs> knowing when they actually bring up her name, but also yeah. for foreshadowing because we know that he only kills people with K in their name. You know, so uh, I actually that slipped yeah. my mind during that scene. But yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. That yeah, that yeah. Uh, that and, and also the the doctor's overreaction itself is is interesting, but understandable because you realize well a doctor he's he's obviously sleeping there because he's got a long shift or something, and for a doctor to not get the right amount of sleep, like when we have a normal job you know, we worry that we're missing an hour's sleep or somebody woke us up because we're going to be groggy at the computer. This guy could kill somebody because he's, yeah. you know, so, uh, so I thought that, you know, it's just an interesting interaction between those two characters. Cause you sort of, you totally understand the nurse's perspective, but you also kind of get why the doctor might be totally flipping out on this lady because of the stakes of, of sleep yeah. for him. Um, and that's the scene that leads into that, wonderful jump scare yeah <laughs> so it's kind of a false jump scare right before the real one the movie there's a lot of points in that where it just completely pulls the rug out from under you uh the the old lady on the ceiling was one of the ones that got me it's not like that's even imagery that even at the time i think was unique it was just that's the first time in the movie when something so unquestionably supernatural happens and it's really alarming. That, that lady was so charming too. I love the scene where, uh-huh. where she's like, are you the radio repair man? And he's like, yeah, I'm the radio repair man. And she's like, Oh, here it is. Can you see it? And he's like, yes. And she's like, it's a telephone. And it's just like, a, yep. it was just a really, I don't know. I just thought that was a brilliant 
well, she, maneuver that, on her part. That she, yeah, I mean, it's that that's that's part of the horror of the movie too. Is by making that woman kind of sweet and playful in her little way. It's like that. That's that's the tool that he is using to commit these horrible murders. Mm. Just makes it all the more horrible that uh, yeah. you know he's kind of turning <laughs> these. <laughs> what about the that uh, scene too? She seems genuinely afraid that the dead are talking to her through her yeah. radio. Oh, well, they so probably eerie. were. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what was yeah. going yeah. on. That's exactly yeah, that's like what's a, happening. Like the in the first movie. So yeah. it's the it's a similar situation to that. Um, what what did you guys think of the Doctor Temple, the the guy with the cigarettes who was rehearsing? He's the one who basically connects him with the Gemini killer. And he's got that little note that he's given. It's played by um, <laughs> Scott Wilson, who played Abraham in The Walking Dead. That's where people would recognize him from. Um, but he's a lot younger in this um, in the in the, in this film. Uh, but I don't know. I like that scene where he's just like he's like chain smoking, and he's like literally lighting one cigarette with with the other one, and uh-huh. and, and he's like putting out the thing, and it takes him forever because he's he's like <laughs> obsessive compulsive about putting out the cigarette. Um. I don't know, just something about that scene, it just makes you, it puts you on edge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, just... I'll Scott's reaction during that, too. There's just, it's, it's, he just does a really good take with his eyes, just like, what is going on with this guy? It's a really well done scene. But I, uh, yeah, that, that, that care, I, I was... I was perplexed during that scene. The way he's got the script he's reading from mm. and stuff, I was like, what's the deal with this yeah. script? Because I, I didn't pick up on the fact that it was, you know, the patient giving it to him. But yeah. uh, The camera really wants you to notice that script, too. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's a confusing scene when you first encounter it. Because you're like, who the fuck is this guy working yeah. for? Like, And he's, like, yeah. super nervous, too. And like yeah. you don't know, you don't get any closure on that for a long time. So you're like, why is that not actually the the guy? Definitely seems like he's supernatural when he goes to the, talk to the Gemini killer, right? His his voice is like like in a different place in the audio, so it's way closer to yeah. you when you're listening to it in the audience. And it's like mm-hmm. he's doing these horrible howls, and you're like, this is definitely an actual possession. Why was that guy on script? What what's happening in this movie? Uh, so it's great for, for really putting you off your game as an audience. Yeah, because uh, yeah, like at first I was like, did he write this because he's being careful about what he said? But then I was like, no, it doesn't seem like you. Because well, my first thought before we saw the script was when he was acting weird. I was like, is he possessed now? Is that where we're going with yeah, this? Yeah, and I think that it's was trying my to first swerve thought. you that way. Because you kind of get the idea that someone is hopping bodies in this movie. Yeah. Right? Like they, they sort of like this is that voice change in the uh, in the confessional booth. Where yeah. you're like, okay, something's going on here. Well, there's, there's a whole multiple movies. fingerprints is what tipped me off. As yeah. soon yeah, as we got to that second yeah, killing cool. and the fingerprints didn't match, I'm like, oh, okay. I knew I, I picked up at that point the demon was was body hopping, but oh, but yeah. Right. I, uh, so, but that scene takes all of that that knowledge and like because like, it's pretty clear that something like that's happening. You know, we're pretty yeah. savvy as a modern audience, and then they, they just sort of throw that curveball, and it's like. Well, that guy wasn't possessed. Why would he be working for a possessed person? Like, what the hell is going on here? And it keeps it keeps you like off kilter. The whole movie has little ways of putting you off kilter. Well, and they it's really oh, great. and they yeah. did. They were smart because they direct most of your suspicion at the bitchy nurse. And I'm calling yes. her bitchy because she says herself that she's a bitch. So that's she's why I'm describing her. Yeah, self-identified. Um, yep. That's, that's a free yeah. one. Yeah. 
Um, but she's a she's an interesting character because they really get you to kind of suspect her and no, she, but but at the same time, we've all met nurses that are like that, right? Like, it's oh, a believable she's totally character. believable, yeah. totally well, believable. And like, yeah. you're not even mad at her as a member of the audience because no. like you know nurses like they have a hard job, dude. Exactly. I get yeah. cranky counting money all day. Like she's, she's got to deal with these cops coming around their hospital, and she's and trying really to deal throwing with their weight around. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I completely so, understood that character. Yeah. What did you guys think of the so the Gemini killer? I want to talk about how number one, Jason Miller is playing Father Karras's body, basically, but mm. there are moments where we have another actor. I think his name is Brad Dorif, who me and Adam have discussed him before in the um, Gethsemane ah, episode of Babylon 5. Um, <laughs> the tongue twister. Yeah, you, that's right. It's that's the same right. guy. That. I, that's, yeah. This is probably why he got that role. Um, but uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's such an obvious reference yeah. to Exorcist 3 now. Oh, my God. That's amazing. But uh, <laughs> Oh, wow. But, okay, uh, okay. But but so they do this great thing uh, yeah. where you have like this haggard Damon Karras speaking, and then at one point he says like the Gemini killer is dead, and it go and then you suddenly see uh, Brad Dorif playing the character, and he's just screaming, "I am not dead! I am!" A... And it's like startling. It is it is like really yeah. effective, oh, yeah. and the performance I think is off the rails just in terms of. I want to listen like this guy's talking about stuff like I, there are all kinds of little lines that this guy has that are great but I just want to keep hearing him talk like like one of his lines was oh a few booze from the gallery I see when when he gets slapped by 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 uh by George C Scott but uh yeah it, he is spellbinding uh, like straight up it, talk about the then this this movie is not hurting for brilliant performances. Like almost every single actor like outdoes themselves in this movie. Like the, the, the magnitude of some of these performances and that one still stands head and shoulders over everything else. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like if you see nothing else in this movie, just watch those scenes. They're worth yeah. it. Yeah. There's like, I think there's like two or three dialogues between three those two. Really good ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and they're like, Oh God. That howl got me. Mm. Like I was just because I didn't, I didn't expect it. And like, and Lovecraft had this right. I'll say this about the man. Uh, he once wrote something to the effect of there are sounds that animals make and sounds that humans make. And when the <laughs> one makes the sound of the other, it's like horrific. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. And I wasn't ready for it because at first he was just like verbalizing. Or I thought he was. And I was like, oh, a human sound is going to come out of him. That's what my subconscious brain was telling me. And then it just sustained as this unearthly yeah. howl. And I was like, oh, that makes me feel kind of nauseous, it's, actually. It's the combo of those effects and the good performance together that yep. make that work. Like the intent, this guy is uh -huh. so intense. Like when yeah, he's talking. in the room with that dude. Yeah. Like he is sweating and you're sweating with him. And, and just like what he's talking about, like how when he was killed in the electric chair. And he's like, it was very upsetting. I didn't have a body and there was work to be done and I had to do more killing, you know? And then he talks about going into, and it's like, you're slowly getting all the information about what was going on so that it makes sense. But the way it's presented is just like, un it's unbelievable. And then, and you know, they, 
you know, and he talks about going into Father Karras's body. Now the brain is jelly, and it takes him fifteen years of yeah. maximum effort to get. It's just, I don't know, just the that those scenes are just great. They're really good, um, and uh, and I think I think across the board too. I think like George C. Scott is really good. Like I think the around the same time he played um, uh, oh god, what was his name? Customata from uh, uh in the Mike Tyson HBO movie, right? And it was a good choice for a Customata, but it was it it felt like more of a phoned in performance than than this movie does. This movie feels like 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 I don't know, like the scene where where he sees his friend that's dead and he lifts up the thing and he kind of winces. You know, he doesn't he doesn't break out into tears. It's just kind it's like every scene like that you just see the hardening of of his world and of his you know but there's still emotion yeah. there um that well that scene and the payoff to that scene later on where he's talking about the gemini killer to the doctor who's losing his shit because they locked down the hospital and he just has that moment where he just breaks because it's just yeah. too much even for him i was yeah. just like oh my god but it, and it's not it's, oh go ahead adam go ahead okay one thing george c scott is really good at he <clears throat> he's good at being gruff and sensitive at the exact yeah. same time and that that is just <laughs> yeah that that, that, that is like, it his his gruffness is all this layer of armor he's built up around the fact that he's a very sensitive person and i mean it just in a number of his roles and it, it just it's just a really good effect no yeah you see he, he's really and he's really likable in this movie sometimes George yeah. C. Scott isn't particularly likable. It's kind of part of his but he, charm. But he can, he can be. Yeah, yeah, he is very, very likable when, he, when the role calls for it. I've always thought so. Uh, and, and so I I, th- I think he's, you know, and again, this is like kind of a later role for he's older. I think one, mm-hmm. of the, one of the, if I had a criticism, it's that he seems a little old for the, like his daughter and his wife. Yeah, the I age seems too. Yeah. It's uh, a bit much. But... I like to think he's almost exactly the right age for it. It's just his job is just that hard. <laughs> he's so weathered. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm 31 so... years old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but, but yeah. also, the, 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 he has some great lines in the movie to just like, you know, like what's there's 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 that when he's having the conversation with the priest and he's like, you know, he's just like at his wit's end and the priest just says something like it all works out. And he's like, when? And he says at the yeah. end of time, and he says that uh, soon, you know, just like uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that line. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah, because the priest is like we're spirits, Bill. Like you know, it's like like we're you know, we're, you know, it's, it's not about the flesh. And so, but I I, th- I just thought like th- those dialogue exchanges were great. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there were a couple of other ones where he talks about he's complaining about God, and he says God is waltzing around the universe like some kind of cosmic billy burke you know just like i don't know just the sound of that 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 yeah. line works yeah the, the writing in this is great and yeah. uh but yeah yeah i'm talking about father dyer again i mean i think i think one of the reasons too it's kind of shocking when he dies early on it's like the way the movie is structured early on it feels like you know he and kinderman are going to be working together yes. they're, they're piecing this together and it feels like they're it's gonna be they're they're the buddies that are gonna go through this movie together and then, boom! It, it under it's kind of the psycho effect where you think you think it's psycho someone's the main character and it's like oh no, no they're not yeah well, and <laughs> especially considering this is 
this is called the Exorcist Three. It really feels like they're going to be the buddy cop duo that does the yeah. exorcism at the end. No, yeah. he's toast. Uh, he yeah. is definitely exsanguinated and decapitated. Yeah. Well, and the scene when he's in the hospital, even where um, where he's he's saying, "Oh, it's not serious," and he says, "Yeah, uh, my my brother Eddie had the same symptoms." And he's like, "Your brother Eddie died <laughs> at thir- age thirty. And he's like, "He died in Vietnam." It's just like the. The, there's just this humor in every step of the conversation, and then and then he's like, "But maybe there was some connection still, you know." Just the yeah. I mean, if this if, it's one of those movies, if that scene of him visiting him in the hospital that had been like a half hour long and written as well as that, it's like, yeah, I totally would have been fine just watching that hospital yeah. visit of these yeah. two guys talking to each other because, yeah, it was just very entertaining. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I know there are just so many. Oh, there was another great line that Father Dyer had, which was, um, uh, "Jesus loves you, but everyone else thinks you're an asshole." And that's him <laughs> talking to his. That's him talking to his boss. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's like, what did you do to and our donor? The, and, like, yeah. Well, and he's talking about how he's going to go see "It's a Wonderful Life," and he says, like, you know, I, you know, he's like, "Do you have a favorite movie to the boss?" And the boss says, "The Fly." And, yeah. Which apparently the guy who played that character was in the fly he, he had a brief role in, God, that's awesome. in, in in the in the fly a few years earlier um, cronenberg is going to infect every last one of our episodes somehow isn't he he, he is the tumor <laughs> from all horror movies it's which uh, he would love yeah he would but uh yeah it's this 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 movie has its flaws but it more than more than compensates for any flaw it has this is very high recommendation for me. Yeah, same yeah. here. I, I think the complexity of it in general in just kind of makes it immune to the sort of linear analysis it might have if it was just like the original moral dilemma. I think well, making it, it messy kind of actually enhances it. Yeah, well, it's a movie that wants to make you think. So the fact that being messy means you have to think. There's nothing yeah. here that it's just, it's, yeah, it's not going to just hand you up. This is what you're supposed to think after seeing this movie so which yeah, i think it, is fitting given that that doubt is such a prevalent part of the film right? <laughs> yeah, true you know? but uh but yeah i i i think i think it's a really good i think i think it's a movie that like has been seriously underrated because and i remember when i first saw this just how i like i don't know this was at a time where i was still sort of seeing the horror movies for the first time too so it was mm-hmm. it was one of these things where I was actively rating movies as I saw them, and I remember watching this one and just really being impressed with it. Um, and and again, it just it just never quite. I don't know. I guess because of the year it came out, and I think I think when it did come out, it didn't get the best reviews, which I think was a little bit unjust. But um, I don't know. It's, it's 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 a really it's a really good sort of thriller slash horror movie. I think. Um, and definitely, definitely, you can you can skip Exorcist too, but definitely watch one and three. Like one oh, and man, three, I actually did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We seen the first too. one. I love the first one, but I've never seen the second one. So. Yeah, I, I real I, watching this. I was like, I really should watch the first because I've read the book or the first mm-hmm. one. I've never watched the movie. But I'm like, just you've never seen the first Exorcist movie. I don't. Oh man. Like, no. Oh, I, dude, I, I, you're I, in for I, a treat. I, this movie rips. 
Yeah, yeah you're the, really the book is fantastic. It. And I was like, well, I know the story. But I'm like, I don't know. Just based on watching this, I was like, ah, even though I know everything, I, I feel like just experiencing the movie now. It's so. quite an experience, yes. High recommendation. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good movie. It, it's probably even slower paced than this movie, I would say. Um, well, yeah, like I said, I've read the book, which is not not a action-packed book but uh a lot of it's you know oh parties at washington dc with socialites but uh <laughs> and yeah there is that um but, but it's a good movie the, the heretic is bizarre and and the not... soundtrack's good i i recommend the soundtrack I, I, for exorcist i will say this about exorcist too i had a friend in high school who loved it so i mean it's not i i think that sometimes <laughs> what happens is the weight of opinion goes a certain way online on the internet and it becomes intractable and a movie gets labeled as X. But before that was the case, there were lots of pockets of people that I'm sure loved the movie. And I, you know, I had a friend that was really into the film. He actually is responsible for me mispronouncing that word because he used to call it the heretic, the heretic. heretic. Mm -hmm. And so I always thought it was, heretic and uh, uh yeah why well, I, I saw I, ironically in her, heretical pronunciation so <laughs> yeah but i uh I, I saw part of exorcist 2 back in the early 90s so i'm pretty sure it wasn't the weight of internet opinion that poisoned me against it so okay yeah it, some uh, movies are just bad like sleepwalkers well, which we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna as it as that it's that was that was a blow before the bell even rung. That's a little bit. I uh, <laughs> we're fighting dirty, Davis. <laughs> I'm gonna, well, now I know. Now I know. This is a street uh, fight, so, baby. This, uh, so now now I think Rocky four. Rocky three didn't end that way. <laughs> so so this is Rocky five rules is what I'm what I'm hearing. Yep. Um, but uh. But yeah, so so uh, we'll we'll see. I, is Sleepwalkers next, or do we have another demon movie that we need to do before we get to? We're doing demonic I think we have one more pulpy demon. movie. Oh yeah, that's right. Demon- what is it? What is it again, Joel? That we're doing? Demonic toys. Demonic oh, toys. Yeah. Oh, we are going with demonic. We're masterminding toys. the puppet master versus demonic toys for crossover month. Gotta got get all the little pieces in the in the right place. All right. <laughs> so we got it. We got our pulpy demon movie, and then um. Ready to be bored a lot. <laughs> Actually, this is a really fun movie. I, I, I'm, I've I'm, i been a while. I was 11 when I first saw it, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a full moon movie, right? So, like, there's a, there's a, there's an expectation you have going in with a full moon movie. <laughs> this is a mark of quality. It's kind of like if it's a trauma film, you know, there's like, you know, you know yep. what, you know what you're getting into. Um, but yeah, so then I guess we'll do that and then we'll do sleepwalkers and then we'll have our big our big debate which showdown i have to insist is not done at like 11 or 10 because i will definitely uh i will definitely be at a serious disadvantage you guys are so tired yeah this time difference is is really messing with all of us Um, (laughs) all right so so anyways i don't know any final thoughts before we head out on this one or are we are we good here uh, if, if you haven't, if you are holding off on seeing The Exorcist 3 because you've heard about how bad Exorcist 2 is, skip Exorcist 2, but yeah. absolutely do not miss Exorcist 3. It's really, really good. Um, one of the better movies we've reviewed, really. We've re- we reviewed some mm-hmm. really good ones. Yeah. Uh, but this one still is, 
just on the weight of performance and and writing and and the the beauty of the direction and just it's it, it holds together gorgeously. It's really yeah. it demands your attention. Uh, it's rewarding to watch. High highly recommend this movie. Yeah, and my uh, <clears throat> so if we're putting our doing our final thoughts here, my final thought is that in researching today for the podcast, I was really surprised to find out that. Uh, the William Peter Blatty was the guy that wrote a shot in the dark, which is kind of one of the very first Inspector Clouseau movies. Mm. So there uh, you go. <laughs> I would not have uh, associated that, but there you go. He's, he's, I think he's more versatile than people realize. I, I remember there yeah. was a humor novel he wrote that I, I think it was in the nineties. I can't remember the name, but I remember reading it. It was, it was on this kind of subject matter, but it was done humorously. Um, but uh, I'll have to look it up though. Cause I'm, just going by memory um but yeah i i i think it's a it's you know you know like we said at the start of the movie it's, it's jeffrey dahmer's favorite film so you know yeah. this is a you know which i guess we should have talked about that we should have probably addressed the that. one thing you will agree with jeffrey dahmer about. yeah um <laughs> well it's sort of like uh, i i guess i guess what it adds to the movie is if a serial killer likes it this must be a fairly authentic portrayal of a serial killer, right? Like, that That's... would be the thing. That would be the only positive that you could really take from <laughs> it getting a seal of approval. There are of... certain endorsements you don't want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the one positive one that I could kind of glean from that. Um, but no, it's a, it's a really good movie, and I think it's a... I don't know. It, 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 I think Joel covered it. It, it. It's just really, it's a really well crafted film too. So you know, it, it, it has a very consistent look and feel, and it does a good job of pulling you in, and it's entertaining from beginning to end. I think, you know, and it, despite taking its time, so so why don't we end it there and. Uh, We'll be back on with, uh, what, what is it, Demonic Toys? Is the, Demonic is Toys, Demonic baby. Toys. Get ready for those evil toys, people. Evil toys. All right, so we'll be back on, and until then, we'll talk to you later.